in Think Lab's first hackathon in 2020. We explored how our traditionally analog industry would need to evolve in response to digital acceleration amidst the pandemic. Now, two years later, Think Lab research suggests the next normal is still emerging. And many sellers across the design ecosystem are still struggling. In this episode of Design Nerds Anonymous, we'll be revisiting the world of business development. Now, if you missed season two of this podcast, we'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of our episodes that share our explorations, including things like the future of networking and the future of lead generation. But today, in this special bonus episode to kick off season four, we're checking in with some of our previous hackathon participants. People are thinking about things a little bit differently and reimagining all the things we talked about on the hackathon, like how can we do things differently? How can I have a unique offering? How can this be different than it was before? What you'll hear is, even though they're selling quite different things to different audiences, many of their challenges, still two years later, are similar. See if any of these challenges resonate with you. Pre-pandemic, it was a lot easier to connect with people in person. It's harder now than ever just because you don't know who the decision maker is anymore. I keep hearing over and over again is that there are people who are not going to feel comfortable getting together in person for the foreseeable future. There are just some people who are not going to be open to it. And I ask myself, are those people just not going to be my clients? Or do I really have to adopt this way of selling? If you're struggling to reframe your sales process in this new normal, you're not alone. Meet our three 2022 Roundtable panelists, representing the world of commercial real estate, product sales, and selling A&D services. We asked each of them to introduce themselves and one word to describe what it's like to be a sales rep today. I am Anya Ostry. I'm with CBRE, and I run a multi-market tenant representation team that's based both in Newport Beach, California, and in Atlanta, Georgia. And one word I would use to describe to be a sales rep today is evolving because it's not what it was in 2021, nor is it the same thing as it was in 2020. I'm Shannon White, and I'm the district manager for Mannington Commercial. I cover the Colorado Territory, and I would use the word unique in the sense that it just is requiring so much more time to build the relationships that I currently had, and this due to what I call the two-year shift, where designers are making a shift to a different role, a different position or company. So it's almost like starting over. My name is Mina Krenick. I work at HKS, and I am a global practice leader for interiors. My expertise is in more experiential design, so I've been focusing a lot on larger venue experiences how we see ourselves in the whole world of selling. The more connections that we have in the industry to get data seems to be very important. Their words were evolving, unique, and data-driven. What would your word be? 
It's interesting because in a recent McKinsey article titled The Future of B2B Sales is Hybrid, and spoiler alert, we'll be interviewing one of the authors this season. It states that the majority of B2B companies feel that their current sales model is more effective than their pre-pandemic selling model. However, ThinkLab data suggests that our industry, as of today, is not quite so positive. And while you'll hear plenty of challenges throughout this episode that will likely get your head nodding, we've organized this episode into six key pieces of advice from your peers that we hope will inspire you. Number one, lean on data and insights, not just relationships. While you'll hear a lot in this episode about building relationships, one of our original insights from the first hackathon was that during the lockdowns of the pandemic, we went from relationships as the key currency to information as the key currency. We predicted the future will be about both, really experience as currency, which means balancing both relationships and insights. Here's Mina. There's a lot of volatility. There's a lot of I'm not sure if I'm going to do it this year or next year. I want to do this in phases. I have X amount of money in my budget. What can I do for that amount? Our clients are very sophisticated. They need more data. So being just really equipped and being proactive about that level of data we're providing. So we're answering questions. We're providing ease. I always say we have to listen in between the words, right? There's a lot of gray. There's a lot of noise. And if we can get to the heart or the ethos of what they're really wanting, then I feel like we can influence them in ways where they're more convinced to do things or they're more excited to talk to their executive team and get them where they need to be. But maybe these insights can be an arrow in your quiver for our second piece of advice. Number two, leverage technology to get to face-to-face interaction, not replace. So let's start with the challenges here. We know that throughout the pandemic, strong ties got stronger, but weak ties got weaker. For my role specifically, I sell to the end user. So I sell to the head of real estate managers, transaction managers that are internal to companies. Prior to 2020, It was easy to go to an HQ for a client or a prospect, and I could meet five, six, seven people that I could potentially be doing business with. Now, what I'm seeing is a lot of people have taken what we've gone through over the course of the last few years as an opportunity to really decide, where do I want to live? What do I want my lifestyle to look like? And so they're just not as easily accessible. Like when a head of real estate moved to Lake Havasu City, Arizona, that's tough for me to justify making a trip out there, especially when there's no international airport nearby, to be able to cultivate that relationship or even maintain that relationship. I feel like for a lot of people, technology allows you to reach the masses. But on my side of the business where relationships drive are the revenue to my team. It's strictly relationships. There's nothing else because we don't sell anything physical. We sell our services. We sell our reputations. We sell our time. We sell our knowledge. I feel like selling to people, you really have to be able to create the human connection. And my experience throughout the pandemic has been that since March of 2020, we had been selling 
in person, cultivating relationships in person. For the people that we already knew and had relationships with, we were able to maintain and stay in front of them. However, for brand new relationships, I have not been able to crack the code on finding a prospect that I feel like they are 100% comfortable doing business with me without ever meeting them in person. I'm 50-50 on that. I would say for Mannington as a whole, I believe we're reaching more clients and potential buyers through our digital self-serve interactions. I think through the blogs and the amount of blogs that we've committed to doing, I think that we're definitely reaching more potential in users and even designers. I agree with Anya in the sense that for me as a sales rep, I don't think my current sales model is more effective than pre-pandemic. I believe out of sight, out of mind, especially since I was a designer. And if I'm not in front of designers or specifiers, they're going to go to another manufacturer who they see on a regular basis at their firm through industry events or even one-on-one -on -one lunch. So I'm 50-50 on that one. It's interesting to me because I've noticed over the past 20 years, and I keep a track on this, that I get the majority of sample requests about a week after having an engagement with, or a conversation, this could be an event, with a designer in user or design firm because they remember me from that specific event. I don't think that technology will replace this model. But what if we looked at technology as a filter to get to those valuable in-person interactions and make that time together even more meaningful? Here's Anya. Using technology, it's effective for an introduction, but there always needs to be some sort of follow-up to continuously meet in person because we're, yeah. not, we're not super convinced that we'll be able to retain that business if we don't create that connection. 100%. And it's interesting. I go back to what we know and what we did and how effective it was. That's why we're having this conversation right now, right? So it's got to go back to basics. I feel like if I've already met someone in person and even just had one interaction, meeting digitally, as long as we're both on camera, is it can work to move the relationship forward. One thing that I keep hearing over and over again is that there are people who are not going to feel comfortable getting together in person for the foreseeable future. There are just some people who are not going to be open to it. And I ask myself, are those people just not going to be my clients? Or do I really have to adopt this way of selling and I do feel like the people I sell to, they really have to have some sort of in-person element because they're running real estate facilities and it's really tough to do that in a remote fashion. I do think like in Shannon's role, designers, I think they have full autonomy to, to not be in person if they don't want to. So it's probably a little more challenging for her. But I just find myself always moving the conversation into how I meet you in person. I don't care where you live. I will come there. I'm totally open to it, but that in-person connection just trumps all. This brings us to number three. Create spaces for them to connect. Companies need to realize today it's more expensive to reach the same amount of clients. This means we have to be more strategic about who we target than maybe we ever have been before. Here's Shannon. 
It's harder now than ever, just because you don't know who the decision maker is anymore. Because of this shift and these designers either going to a different firm, they could be in a different role, or they're going to residential design, or they decided, I'm going to take a sabbatical, or I'm out of the industry completely. A lot of the designers that I deal with that are phasing out, and maybe they're moving into a new chapter of their life, they're retiring. That's where I'm spending the time with the new designers, either getting an introduction from the principal or the project manager that's going into a new phase of their life, or I'm having to reestablish who I am. And it takes a lot of time, but I truly believe in bringing me as a person. I'm starting to bring firms together and doing mountain retreats. It's a lot of time, but I have to do it because I don't, I can't get everybody in the office at the same time, unless it's on a Wednesday. And I only have so many Wednesdays in a year with this hybrid model. I'm actually doing the same thing, Shannon. I'm finding that I am bringing a large group of people together and trying to connect with that group in one foul swoop. So next month Mm -hmm. I'm hosting what's called a Jeffersonian dinner in San Francisco for a group of corporate real estate ladies. And it's going to be led by by a, a friend of mine who's a speaker. She's an Ashoka fellow and more of a philanthropist. So it really has nothing to do with corporate real estate, but still bringing a large group of people together in a meaningful way. And that's how we're connecting. I'm not going to their offices and trying to take them to coffee or lunch or happy hour. It's just not possible to hit this many people at once. I agree. It's interesting when I throughout the concept to one of the principles of a major design firm, I said, I really want to get you all away, take you up to our cabin in the mountains. And I want it to be where it's sponsored by Mannington one night. And then I depart on Saturday. I want you all to connect because there's not a connection. They can't even connect with these young designers because they aren't in the office at the same time. They're on different schedules. They're almost like two ships passing in the night. So there's this longing for a connection within a studio. So I think it boils down to us as representatives to say, what can we do different to bring a studio together? And they see us as being valuable and we're a partner to them instead of just a sales rep. We want to help them too. It's not a lot about the product. It's about that connection. So what I try to do is, like I mentioned, getting a few people together that are all peers so that there's value in it, that they're not just being sold to, but they're also connecting with somebody that they can share war stories with and also share best practices because I don't always know what's going on internally in a corporate real estate organization because I don't live in it every single day. And I will say this, business development people need a lot of money nowadays, like more so than they ever did because these ideas are fantastic, but they cost a lot of money. And that's one thing like I think companies need to be aware of is that in order to continue to participate and do these types of special events and like Shannon said, bringing people to a house in the mountains, all of that, there's an expense that that comes with all of that. But with that expense means that we have to be more intentional than ever. Which brings us to number four. Hey, listeners, it's Bobby and Andrew from Barriers to Entry. You do not want to miss our episode with Lisa Grelnick from IF Design. If you're a fan of Barriers to Entry, this episode should be at the top of your queue. 
Bobby, why do we love this episode so much? Well, Lisa was my favorite presenter at South by Southwest 2024, and she Mm -hmm. took us behind the scenes of her part at South by, and it's going to go even deeper in our conversation with her. Yeah, amazing conversation about innovation, about sustainability, and about a European award that's about to take the U.S. by storm. Make sure to subscribe or follow Barriers to Entry wherever you get podcasts to hear our episode with Lisa Grelneck and to be notified when new episodes drop. Shift from features and benefits to unique business value. I want to challenge that selling today is no longer about the features and benefits of your products or services. It's truly about the unique business value that you and your company bring to the clients that helps them get their job done. And as you'll hear, we have to ask different questions today and more of them. Here's Mina. And I feel like trust is everything in our industry. And so for me to be able to influence clients with new ways of thinking or to use this new product that hasn't been shown or use it in a profound way, it's almost like you really have to have data. You have to have a strong point of view about it. You've got to relate it back to the client and say, all of this can do this for your business. For me, in the world of selling, it just has to do with trust. I think you have to really understand who you're servicing and so that you can find touch points of connecting with them. So for me, I have a target list of my top firms, also some smaller firms, and I'm going in with some unique, it could be an ice cream truck. I mean, something where I'm not bringing product, but I have that interaction, that FaceTime where they're going to show up because of the interest of the event or the interest of the little blitz that I'm doing. And then I just casually ask the question, what do you need from me? It's different now. How often do you want to see me? So I ask those questions in that moment very casually, and then I use that as a follow-up. A lot of designers are telling me, okay, I'm not making the decisions anymore. It's this person, or you're not going to want to stop in once a quarter. You want to come in twice a month. So I, I feel like right now it's asking those questions in a very casual manner and then fulfilling their needs and becoming the expert resource so that they will go to us. If we don't show them the value of us other than we're representing a product or we're representing the company, they're going to go to the competitor. I think that's what makes us stand out is just bringing, it doesn't always have to be about the company we represent or the product that we sell. I think any time that, again, we can bring value to them. How can I help you out? What do you need from me today? See, you're struggling with this. Let me take it off your plate and let me drop this off for you. Let me drop the samples off. But I think those those little touches are what makes the biggest impact. This brings us to our next piece of advice. Number five, set new ground rules for digital interactions. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Right now, even two years into some of these major shifts, digital can still be awkward. But as we know all too well, digital can also be more efficient. The most effective reps will be those who can scale their time. So this means finding new rules that can make digital more effective. Here's Anya. With these virtual coffees, because I do feel like they're so valuable. I feel like 
it might be a little bit forward, but I want people to join on camera because I feel like we're spending all this time putting together some great content for them to receive. I would love to feel reciprocation with their engagement on these calls, but I don't know how appropriate it is for me to say, if you're going to join my virtual copy, plan on joining on the camera. And I totally agree with that. When you are doing a presentation for 10 designers and all of their cameras are off, I'm just going to be really honest. I think it shows lack of respect that they're multitasking and they're just not interested. And that's okay. But if you're not interested, let's not do this. Just be honest and say, hey, I actually prefer a quick five-minute presentation or why don't you send me a video and in my time, I'll take a look at it because it can feel really frustrating and discouraging when everybody has their camera off. No, totally. I found myself almost getting offended. Gosh, I spent so much time preparing and then to get on and not have people on camera. We're pitching a large accounting firm in a couple of weeks and I I am teetering on, do I send an email prior to to confirm that everyone will be on camera because I'm with you. I just feel like it, it sends a message of disengagement. I almost feel a little bit of a lack of respect for what we're doing. And you still have to prepare just as much, but I think it's a little easier in person to have that personal conversation, connection, notice some yeah. sort of common ground with one another, where when you're presenting, particularly in a digital environment, you're really cut into the chase because like we've got one hour, people are running to other calls. Let's get to it. I can't tell you about my weekend. I can't tell you what's going on with my dog, where I'm traveling next month, nothing. It's just all business. And yeah. that's the part that feels antiseptic to me. I completely agree with you. And I can walk in a room and read a room in 30 seconds and I'll know how long should I talk about this subject? I ask them questions. I'll read the body language and then I'm out of there. But being on the camera you really have to have a talent. You really have to understand the body language from waist up. Bless those reps who they're not able to, <laughs> to read body language because you have to, you know. But being the optimist on the call, Mina points out that while getting that organic connection can be a challenge, maybe this new digital world is opening up new opportunities for connection in new ways. Maybe that's the one thing that's like highly elevated through all of this. Relationship builds are a little bit deeper in the sense that people go deep with you more than they did before. It feels like less surface and it's much more about getting to know one another on a deeper level. And I guess I appreciate that level of consciousness. When we were doing all these Zoom calls on the, in the heart of the pandemic, we were really getting to know people's partners and cats and dogs and children. And I, I think that little bit of personal connection still remains. And I think that people are still seeking that level of personalization with engagements. And then I guess just that personal connection, like all the events that are happening now around the cities that like people really are wanting to come together, crave to come back together again. So let's make it even more personal and share some time with our design community that way. Number six, and our final topic for this episode, be aware of your digital presence. Here's Anya. This is advice to myself also, being super aware of your digital presence, because I feel like so much of what people are learning about us now is through the internet. And so I've really made it a point, obviously, throughout the last few years to become more engaged. I'm doing things like this, doing podcasts, 
engaging more with people on LinkedIn. That's helped me a lot just to have a little bit of an icebreaker with folks. So I, I think being aware of your digital presence and understanding that this is how people are going to be finding you. Now, we asked each of our participants to close us out with one final piece of advice. Anya's closing advice, try video. The other thing we're trying to do is videos. And I will be the first to say I get really queasy watching myself on video. It's a problem. I need to get better with it. But I am challenging myself to engage this way. I'm actually, if I if it's a cold outreach that we're making to a potential prospect, I'm sending video messages to them so that they can actually see that I'm a real person. So that's one bit of advice that I would add. Shannon's closing advice. Be transparent and authentic. I also think relevance on Instagram. Instagram has been very successful for me. Mine is just my personal one and work combined. It's both. So I post my personal life on there. And a lot of people have difference of opinions on this, but I also blend it with my work life. And I have more designers saying, I feel so connected to you because of your Instagram. And I also get appointments because of Instagram. Really sharing who you are as a person to me is very important because they can easily look you up and say, I have that same connection. And then you have an instant client who's specifying your product. And Mina's advice, treat every interaction with you as an experience. I feel like we're really in an experiential economy. I feel every touch point that we have with our clients, every touch point we may have with our rep, any touch point I even have with a colleague, it all needs to be very cognizant and very in touch with people's personal brand and very customized. So I think everything we do now seems to be on a larger dial of providing experiences within engagement. As we close out this episode, I want to challenge our listeners to stay open to new perspectives. While many of us who have been in this industry for a while are still struggling to reframe, ThinkLab has lots of fodder coming up. So if you're not already following this podcast, we'd love to invite you to click the follow button. We're going to be sharing some fascinating insights from within the industry and beyond that you won't want to miss. So click follow and make sure we stay in your podcast queue. I want to personally thank our season four sponsors, Mannington Commercial, The Mart, and Neocon. Design Nerds Anonymous is a proud member of the Surround Podcast Network. Discover more shows from Surround at surroundpodcast.com. This episode of Design Nerds Anonymous was produced and edited by Sando Design Group. A special thanks to the podcast production team, Hannah Beattie, Wise Grisette, and Samantha Sager. <laughs>